perhaps you heard about the man who was trying to lose weight. And he was really struggling and he committed himself and his struggles to the Lord. One of the biggest problems that he had was the fact that on the way to work, he had to drive by a donut shop. How many of you love donuts? Let me see your hands. And I do too. Krispy Kreme lemon filled donuts are my, anyway, I digress. Uh, anyway, this man would drive by the donut shop and it was such a temptation. Imagine, way to work, home from work, way to work, home from work. Finally, he decided to pray about it. And this is his prayer. Lord, I will know it is your will for me to stop this morning and get a donut if when I drive by, there's a spot right in front for me to park. (laughs) Well, after parking his car, this is what he said. Praise God. The 27th time around that donut shop and a spot open right up in front. Let me ask you, is that the way you treat the will of God? I mean, when you really want to know God's will for your life, do you bargain with God? Do you lay out a course of things that God must meet and so you'll know it's his will? Uh, Do you take matters in your own hand, like driving around the donut shop 27 times until that spot finally opens up for you? You know, if you've been a Christian for any amount of time, you probably heard uh, somebody talk about putting out a fleece. Putting out a fleece. Now, if you're new to the faith, or if you were not reared in church, you might think, what in the world are you talking about? But people talk about putting out a fleece to discern God's will. I even remember hearing a pastor talk about, in his own life, putting out a fleece. What are they talking about? Well, that comes from our passage this morning in the Old Testament book of Judges, chapter 6. And we're looking again at an account from the life of Gideon. And we find the account here in Judges chapter 6. So if you've got your copy of God's Word, be opening to Judges 6. And we'll begin reading there at verse 33. Judges chapter 6, as we continue the series, Trumpets and Empty Pitchers, the life of Gideon. We're going to talk about this subject today. Should we put out a fleece? Like a sheepskin. Should we put out a fleece like Gideon did? Judges chapter 6, we'll begin reading at verse number 33. Judges 6. Verse 33, God's word says in Judges 6:33, then all the Midianites and the Amalekites, the people of the east gathered together and they crossed over the encamped in the valley of Jezreel. But the spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon and he blew the trumpet and the Ebzerites gathered behind him and he sent messengers throughout all Manasseh who also gathered behind him. He also sent messengers to Asher, Zebulun and Naphtali and they came up to meet him. So Gideon said to God, if you will save Israel by my hands, as you have said, look, I shall put a fleece of wool on the threshing floor. If there is dew on the fleece only and it is dry on all the ground, then I shall know that you will save Israel by my hand, as you have said. Verse 38 says, and it was so when he rose early the next morning and squeezed the fleece together, he wrung the dew out of the fleece, a bowl full of water. Verse 39, then Gideon said to God, do not be angry with me, but let me speak just once more. Let me test, I pray, just once more with the fleece. Let it now be dry only on the fleece, but on all the ground let there be dew. And God did so that night. It was dry on the fleece only, but there was dew on the ground. Now, the question this morning is, should we put out a fleece? Is this something that we as Christians should do when we're seeking to discern God's will? Is it a proper method? Is it something we should practice? 
Now, before we consider the, the, the fleece itself this morning, let's consider what's going on at this time in Gideon's life. If you back up in here in uh, Judges chapter 6, we've already studied beginning at verse 1 all the way through down to verse 33 today. But at this point, I want you to notice several things. First of all, notice the enemy is near. Verse 33 there in Judges 6 says this, Then all the Midianites and the Amalekites and the people of the east gathered together, and they crossed over and encamped in the valley of Jezreel. Now, why is this significant, these enemies? Remember back in Judges, the very first part of the book, what these people were doing to Gideon and his people. Go back to verse 1. It says, Then the children of Israel did evil on the side of the Lord. So the Lord delivered them into the hand of Midian for seven years. For seven years they've been dealing with this. And what happened? It says in verse 2, The hand of Midian prevailed against the Israel. Because of the Midianites, the children of Israel made for themselves the dens and the caves and the strongholds which were in the mountains. Whenever Israel had sown, Midianites would come up. Also Amalekites and the people of the east would come up against them. They would encamp against them and destroy the produce of the earth as far as Gaza and leave no sustenance for Israel, neither sheep nor ox nor donkey. For they would come up with their livestock and their tents coming in as numerous as locusts. Both they and their camels were without number. They'd enter the land of Israel to destroy it. So Israel was greatly impoverished because of the Midianites and the children of Israel cried out to the Lord. So remember what's going on here. They would toil and they would plant their gardens and their produce in the right time at harvest time. The enemies would come in and steal and plunder and destroy and take all these things and impoverish them. Now, here we are again at that time. The enemy is near. Then we notice an army is gathered. Verses 34 and 35, we find the army beginning to gather to go up against this enemy. The Bible says that the Spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon. He blew a trumpet. The the Azarites gathered behind him. He sent messengers throughout all Manasseh. And he also sent messengers to Asher and Zebulun and Naphtali. And they all gathered together after him. The army is gathered. But then I want you to notice the third thing here. The leader is doubting. I want you to notice the very first word of verse 36. uh, or The first thing Gideon says in verse 36. So Gideon said to God, if... If you will save Israel by my hand, as you have said, if now I don't know about a lot about warfare, I've never been in warfare, but I do have enough common sense to recognize this. When you're going into battle, you want a leader, a captain who's going to be confidently leading you. You don't need someone who says, well, boys, I'm not sure if we can take these folks or not, but let's go try. Or, you know, let's just give it the old college try. We probably won't make it, but I'm not sure. But let's just go on out because that's what we do as soldiers. No, you want a leader. You want a captain who says, charge, let's go after them. But here we have Gideon, the leader, and he's filled with doubt. He's filled with fear. He's filled with lack of faith. And Gideon puts out a fleece. Now, listen, you know, sometimes we have trouble identifying with the great heroes of the faith. We look at men like Moses and Joseph and everyone say, wow. And we we forget that they're flesh and and blood like us. But listen, if you have trouble identifying with Bible characters, here's one you can identify with. Gideon. Why? Because at this point, he's filled with fear. He's filled with doubt. And he's struggling here. And we can understand this. Gideon was not a trained warrior. He's a farmer. Now imagine, we have farmers among us, imagine, if you will, that tomorrow you're going to lead an army into battle. Would you be filled with fear and doubt? You ever felt like God has called you to do something 
beyond your abilities, beyond your talents. You ever felt that way? God has placed a burden upon your heart. God has placed a call in your life and it's beyond you. It's beyond your ability, beyond your talents. It's so good. You know why? That does several things for you. First of all, it makes you dependent upon God. If it's beyond you, you've got to depend upon God. And secondly, when God gives victory, who gets the glory? God does, not you. So get the setting here. The enemy is near. The army is gathered. The leader Gideon's there, but Gideon is fearful and he's doubting. And so he says, I'm going to put out a fleece. I'm going to put out this fleece of wool. Now, here's the question. You ready? Should we, as believers, should we put out a fleece? Short answer, no. Now, should we pray and go home now? Some of you are saying, yes, no. Let me tell you why I say no. And by the way, some may not like that. Some may have a fleece out right now. They say, you know, preacher, I've been doubting this thing and I've been struggling with this. I put a fleece out and you've got a fleece out right now and you're waiting for God to answer whatever that fleece may be. Others might say, well, you know what? I have to testify my own Christian experience. I have used fleeces in the past and God has answered and I got discernment. So how can you say, preacher, that uh, we shouldn't use fleeces? Well, several reasons. Number one, are you ready? Gideon already knew God's will. Number one, the reason we should put out fleece based upon Gideon is because Gideon already knew God's will. Read verses 36 and 37 very carefully. The Bible says there in verse 36, if you will save Israel by my hand. And notice the next part, as you have said. Look at verse 37. Look, I shall put a fleece of wool on the threshing floor. If there's dew on the fleece and only and it's dry on the ground, then I shall know that you will save Israel by my hand as you have said said twice Gideon says to the Lord listen you've already said this I already know your will Gideon already had God's word on this he already knew what God told him to do you go back in the earlier part of that chapter Judges six twelve. the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said and the Lord is with you mighty man of valor verse 14 the Lord turned to him and said go in this might of yours and you shall save Israel from the hand of the Midianites have I not sent you verse 16 the Lord said to him surely I'll be with you and you shall defeat the Midianites as one man he says Gideon I want you to go I'm going to deliver the children of Israel through you that's my will that's my word and Gideon already knew it He already knew it. You see, he was not struggling here with knowing the will of God. He was struggling with doing the will of God. And how much are we like Gideon? How much are we like Gideon? We know God's word. We know God's will. We know we're supposed to pray. We know we're supposed to tithe. We know we're supposed to be faithful in church. We know we're supposed to witness. We know we're supposed to live Christian lives. We know God's will. But the struggle often comes in doing God's will. See, the fleece that Gideon puts out is not a tool for determining God's will. It was a tool for confirming God's will. So if you're going to use a fleece, please, at least use it like Gideon did. Use it as confirmation, not in discovering God's will. God's word and God's will was very clear to Gideon. Gideon knew it. Gideon knew what he was supposed to do. So that's one reason we're not using the fleece. Number two. Gideon was displaying unbelief. Gideon was displaying unbelief. Notice the first thing he says there in verse 36. If you will save. If you will save. Gideon is doubting God's word. 
Now, granted, Gideon was probably fairly new to the faith. He's just encountered the Lord Jesus here in Judges 6. He had obeyed the Lord. He destroyed the altar of Baal. He'd been courageous to this point. But here he's struggling in his faith. Now, it appears, if you're honest today, it appears I'm being very tough on Gideon, isn't it? Now, listen, that's not my intention. In fact, I want you to hear me clearly. My intention is to rightly divide the word of truth. But in all honesty, I would be much easier on Gideon. Why? Because I see myself in him. I see my own unbelief. I see my own struggles in my own faith. I see my own doubt in my life. And I want to look at Gideon and excuse myself and feel better and say, well, you know, there's Gideon and I'm just like Gideon. And he was a hero of the faith in Hebrews 11 and excuse myself. But I cannot do that because it's very clear here. God had spoken. Gideon knew God's word. But he was struggling with unbelief. And thirdly, he was dictating to God. Gideon was dictating to God. He gives this test to the Lord. He says, I'm going to put this fleece out. And, and this fleece I'm going to put out, I want it to be dry on the ground. And, and I want the, the fleece to be wet. And then later he says, I'm going to put the fleece out again. And this time, I want the fleece to be dry. And I want the ground to be wet. I want you to notice this is not God telling Gideon what to do. This is Gideon telling God what to do. Beloved, that's not the way it works. Even Gideon recognized he was on dangerous ground. Look at verse 39. Then Gideon said to God, do not be angry with me, but let me speak just once more. Now listen, who are we to tell God what to do? Who are we to lay out conditions and, Lord, you must meet A, B, and C, so I'll know this is your will. He is God alone. He is Lord. Warren Wiersbe said putting out a fleece is not only an evidence of our unbelief, it's also an evidence of our pride. God has to do what I tell him to do before I'll do what he tells me to do. Think about that. God, I know you said this in your word, but listen, if you do A, B, and C, then I'll know that you want me to do that. Who are we to say that to God? Who are we to dictate to God? Now listen, it's one thing to pray for assurance, to pray for confirmation, to pray for God to help you in unbelief. But it's something entirely different to dictate to God to say, God, you must do this so I know that you're with. Do you see the difference? Listen, you can pray for help. You can pray for assurance. You can pray for confirmation. You can pray for God to help your unbelief. But dare not pray, God, you must do this so I will do your will. You see the difference? I hope you're seeing why we're not to put out a fleece. First of all, Gideon already knew God's will. Second of all, he was displaying unbelief. And thirdly, he was dictating to God. But there's something else I don't want you to miss here. A glorious thing. Want you to notice, fourthly, Gideon served a gracious, long-suffering God. Here's what you need to understand. God knew Gideon, and God knew Gideon's struggles. The psalmist wrote it this way, Psalm 103, 14, For he knows our frame and remembers that we are dust. It's awesome. Look at verse 38. It says, and it was so. Look at verse 40. And God did so that night. God, in this passage, does not reprimand Gideon. That's very interesting. He does not reprimand Gideon. He does not strike Gideon down. Some of the men were 
talking this morning, telling me about years gone by and growing up and, and preaching and preachers and how they heard more about the devil and hell than they did God himself. Maybe that was your case as well. Listen, God is not out to get you. God is not out to harm you. God is out to save you and redeem you and to make you what you ought to be. And here we have God being very long-suffering and gracious with His child. His child is struggling. Gideon's struggling. And we can understand that. I mean, just a little bit ago, he's down in a wine press beating out some grain. And now he has an army behind him getting ready to take on this great army in front of him. He says, God, I need some help. And I need some assurance. He has a gracious Loving God here. And as I look at my own life, I recognize he's done the same for me. How about you, Christian? Has he helped you in your struggles and your trials? Listen, what a wonderful God we serve. We don't need to put out a fleece to discern God's will for our life. But then the question is, well, how do we discern God's will? If we don't use a fleece, if we don't put out this fleece of wool, if we don't put out some signs or God, if you'd open up this parking space or God, if it's going to be sunny this morning and cloudy this afternoon, God, if you would just orchestrate it where I get a check in the mail today for twenty five dollars and thirty two cents. And God, if you would just do this or that, then I'll know it's your will. If that's not what we're supposed to do, what are we supposed to do? How do we know God's will? I'm talking about in the the everyday things of life and those decisions in life. How do we know God's will? Well, I want you to hear several things. First of all, you need to know it's his will that you know him through his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. God's primary will for you, first of all, is that you be saved. So preacher, where's that from? Second Peter three, nine. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. It's God's will that you be saved, sir. It's God's will that you be saved, ma'am. Young person, it's God's will that you be saved. God wants you to be saved. That's why he sent Christ. That's why he died. That's why he bled. That's why he was put on the cross. That's why he was put in the tomb. That's why he rose again. That's why he lives. He wants to save you. Turn from your sin to Christ. That's God's first will for every person that you know him through his son, the Lord Jesus. Now, when that is settled, how do you discern God's will? Now, listen, sometimes it's the big stuff of life. Say, what's the big stuff? Well, college, career, marriage partner, jobs, you know, that that life altering stuff. You know what's interesting? Many of those decisions are made when we're very young. Right? I mean, those life-altering decisions. I mean, you're a high schooler, and now you've got to figure out a college, or you're not going to go to college, and a career, and a major. And then you meet her, you meet him. Is he the one? Is what, you know? And these are life-altering things. How do you know God's will? Sometimes it's the everyday stuff. Should we go on this trip or, or that trip? Should we give $100 to the building fund or $1,000? Thousand. Uh, uh, should I coach Little League or, or should I not coach Little League this year? Uh, should I be a team kid coach again next year or should I, I not be a team kid coach? Sh- should I sing in the choir? Should I not sing in the choir? Should I leave this job and, and go to this job? Uh, should we put our kids in school here? Should we homeschool? Should we? On and on and on. 
I mean, the everyday life. How do we know God's will? Should we know God's will? Does it make a difference? Yes. What do we do? Do I have a fleece? God, if you just put a rainbow in the sky on Saturday, I'll know. Now listen. I'm an analytical person. I, I love things orderly. A, B, C. I, one, two, three. I'm analytical that way. I'd love to say to you, here are five easy steps for knowing God's will. But you know what I found in my own Christian experience? You cannot fit God in your little box. He doesn't fit in our little box. You can't make God work according to your little formula. I love formulas, but I understand that's not what it's about. So today I cannot give you five easy steps or a little formula. Instead, I'm going to encourage you to take some trips on your journey to discern God's will. Three trips in particular I want you to take, child of God. This is uh, these thoughts from Stephen Davies book on Gideon. I'll share them with you today. Three trips you can take to discern God's will. Number one, go to your knees. Go to your knees. James 1 5 says, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. Prayer is the place you start this journey. I would say even more clearly that when you start to pray, that you should pray in repentance and cleansing. And say, God, cleanse my heart, my mind, my motives. And then begin to lay out for him the, the needs at hand and, and what the decisions are. And really pray about those things. I don't mean the type of prayer like, God, you want me to go to the donut shop or not? And you just keep working, working, working until your prayer is answered by your 27th trip around. I mean, really going to God and crying out to Him, saying, Lord, I want your will. I want to know what you want me to do. Go to your knees. Second, go to the Word. Go to the Word. Psalm 119, 105 says, Your Word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Listen, God will never lead you contrary to His Word. He will never lead you contrary to His Word. God, the Holy Spirit, authored this book for human authors. He knows it. He knows God's will. He's God. He'll never lead you contrary to this book. You know, in all honesty, beloved, many times I believe the reason we don't get direction in those everyday matters of life is because we're not being obedient to God's revealed will. God's already laid out much of this will here for us. I just talked about some of it. His will is that you be saved. After you're saved, that you be obedient, that you be baptized, that you be faithful, that you be praying, that you be reading God's word, that you be witnessing, you be tithing, those sorts of things. If you're not obeying God's word, he's already told you clearly in black and white, why should he give you further instruction? Think about that. So go to the word and cry out to God. Go to your knees, go to the word. But then I want you to do something else here. He says... Go to the wise. Go to the wise. Proverbs 13, 20 says this. He who walks with wise men will be wise, but the companion of fools will be destroyed. Listen, there are a lot of fools in our world. The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. 
There are a lot of foolish people and foolish counsel out there. Listen, go to the wise. Go to those who are godly men and women. Go get wise, godly counsel. Take those birds. Listen, we're a body of Christ here. We're a local church and we're here to help one another, encourage one another. So go to the wise. So you're taking some journeys here and you're discovering of God's will. You're, you're going to your knees. You're going to the word. You're going to the wise. But as I was studying this, one more thing from Gary Enrich really came out. I don't want you to miss this. Listen, he says this. God does not give us guidance as much as he gives us a guide. Listen, he says the will of God is never mechanical. It's not a matter of plugging in the right questions to a heavenly computer, but of walking with the Lord Jesus Christ. We can know the will of God. It's not a mystical or magical or mysterious process that leaves us perpetually in doubt. It's simply a matter of walking with the shepherd. What is the will of God? He says it is the voice of the shepherd. And he's right. John 10, 27, 28, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me and I will give them eternal life and they shall never perish. Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. Psalm 73, 23 and 24. Nevertheless, I'm continually with you. You hold me by my right hand. You will guide me with your counsel and afterward receive me to glory. I believe we make discerning God's will much more difficult at times than we ought to. You know why? It's not a matter of clawing and searching and fleeces and signs and all those things. It's a matter of trusting and following. As we live a spirit-filled life of obedience, walking with Him, He directs our steps. We don't need a fleece. Why? Because we have a Father. The Father. We have the Shepherd who guides us and provides for us. He says, the sheep, they hear my voice, they know my voice, and they follow me. Beloved, that is God's will. It's the voice of the shepherd. I remember what the psalmist wrote. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they cover me. Thou preparest before me the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. John 10 again. My sheep hear my voice. And I know them and they follow me. And I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. Listen, I want to say to you this morning, in closing, this right here. Put away the fleece and spend time with your father. Put away the fleece and spend time with your father. Take those journeys. Go to your knees. Go to the word. Go to the wise. And listen for his voice. And follow him. Do we need a fleece? No. We have a father. Now, what about you? What decisions, what things are you struggling with today? What is it? Some need to be saved today. That's God's will for your life. That's God's will. Others, as you look in God's word, there are things clearly there that you're not doing. That's God's will for you. And still others today are saying, you know what? There's decisions and things in my life I don't know what to do. 
Listen today, would you go to prayer? Would you go to the word? Would you go to the wise? And ultimately, would you go to your father and say, Father, lead me. Lead me in the paths of righteousness for your name's sake. Father, we love you and praise you and thank you for your word. I pray now by Holy Spirit to have free will in this place. I pray, Lord, if someone's here does not know Christ, I pray this morning, this hour, this moment, they will turn from their sin to Christ. I pray for others who may be resisting your will. I pray this moment they'll they'll submit and surrender. I pray to others who are struggling, maybe today even, they would come and kneel at this altar and go to prayer and seek your counsel and your wisdom. We love you and praise you. Thanks for what you're going to do in Jesus' name. Amen.